You've hit play on the Screen Companion, a show about making your viewing time count. So here we are talking about testosterone heavy flicks. I'm here with my pal Stacy. Do you notice when you seek out these type of movies? I guess I gotta say when you're just down, you know, you need a little boost. You want to hit the gym? You want to work out? You want to see what you can become, I guess. Well, you're kind of getting into it a little bit. My next question being what you think some of the useful takeaways are from watching these muscle-bound movies. Some people are born to kill. (laughs) 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 Warriors at heart live and die. I'd also say they're very humbling. You can pat yourself on the back that you didn't finish off that pack of cookies. And then movies like the ones we're talking about today, they remind you what's possible if you just kept your fat fingers off the sweets to begin with. (laughs) It's like, wow, I went to the gym twice this week. Beast mode. (laughs) (laughs) It's gotta be here. (laughs) And then you see Gerard Butler in 300 with his abs and his muscles. It's like, okay, I guess I could do more. (laughs) true I don't know if he ever got that ripped for another movie he's not what you usually think of as an action star but he's been in a few definitely not but I also heard that majority of the guys in that movie they had to get the fake six packs oh no really yeah they made them look real they did look particularly oily (laughs) and some of that looked like it might have been makeup so okay that makes me sad you gotta earn it the way Schwarzenegger does in Conan. <laughs> Pretty much, I want every top bodybuilder, the Ronnie Coleman's of the world, to star in these type of movies where you know all those muscles on screen are real. Mm, damn, that'd be tough, man. Real tough. Like the standard? <laughs> the muscles do the acting. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did the director tell Schwarzenegger, I want you to flex, flex in this scene? Well, what am I supposed to be thinking? It doesn't matter, just start flexing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's kick this off with 300, directed by Zack Snyder from 2006. This movie probably could have been 10 minutes shorter, if not for all the slow motion shots. But at the same time, I feel like in this movie, the slow motion was needed, and it wasn't overused too much. Not overused, every battle scene, there's multiple slow motion shots. But it shows you the power, man, the raw power that the Spartans have. Definitely puts that across, but it dulls the senses after a while. By the time the senses are dulled, it's the final battle, and you're fighting a god. Summarize 300 for us. This man wants to defend his country. But in order to do so, he can only take a couple few with him to accomplish this task. The titular 300. Yep. They go to the hot gates. There they make their stand. And while they're making their stand, his wife is at home trying to convince the whole nation that they need backup. Because they got to take down a god. I'm kind of surprised in your summary, you didn't mention that it takes place in ancient Greece. And they're fighting Persians. And it's all very mythological. I think it speaks to... The way this movie would appeal to people in service, veterans, 
because there is a real military theme to this whole thing that if you just replace the spears and swords with rifles, this could take place now. True, yeah. This is like a, a recruitment video for the army. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> what were some of your favorite scenes or performances in this? Just the intro. Like The intro is raw, ruthless. It's evil. It's vicious. You see it all. You get literally a taste of the movie, of the whole movie, in the first 10 minutes, you could say. Really establishes the kill-or-be-killed nature of the Spartans. You have Leonidas, who will eventually become king, and he's fighting wolves and beating up other kids, and they just cast him out for what seemed like a solid five, ten years. At least ten, dude. Like, he came back a man, and like, <laughs> you can't deny it. You cannot deny it. He went out with a diaper came back with a fucking pelt yeah a lot of them just wear their diapers <laughs> which i can understand why it would be a society of ripped dudes <laughs> if i was forced to just wear my underwear day in and day out outside in the public i would have to start working out more yeah you would no choice man no choice gerard butler as leonidas he steals the show i think all the most memorable lines are his the way he just grimaces with almost every line. And actually, I think he's too good. What? It could have just been called one. <laughs> oh my God. And it could have been him defending that pass. Because the other Spartans, they're just forgettable. Well, they are forgettable until you have one battle. The captain, he watches his son get beheaded before his very eyes, man. That was some good drama, but... With the whole movie being just them killing a bunch of foreigners. <laughs> but see, it's more than a good drama, dude, because, like, the Spartans are so tough. They've killed immortals. They downed elephants. Stopped rhinos. All with a spear, dude. With a freaking spear. Elephants that are the size of Adats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're gigantic. This whole movie is just one big mythological tale. None of it feels real. Here's the good part. He sees his son get beheaded, and he goes into a blood rage, they call it. You know, I like to call it the berserker rage. It's so bad, though, they had to say, it takes three Spartans to hold this man down. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, when they said that, it gave me a couple of chills, right? It's like, oh, God. They're always dialed to 11, <laughs> just killing everything in sight, to see the captain just want to kill more. <laughs> It's like, well, that's pretty much how you've been the whole movie, buddy. This isn't really landing for me. <laughs> okay, okay. How about the other scene? After they've killed and slaughtered the first batch of men, Leonidas is chilling, eating an apple, while his guys are dispatching everyone else, man. Just finish him off, kill him, kill him, kill him, left and right. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> I'm sure with Lena Headey, Cersei from Game of Thrones, you probably love seeing her, huh? Mm. nude yes does she get that nude in game of thrones oh yeah and a little more not to get too lascivious with it but during the sex scene with her i guess that's really the only time the slow motion really worked for me Latini <laughs> <laughs> uh, <the titty> shots <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i think there's plenty of eye candy for the ladies in the movie I'm glad they didn't go over the top with the female nudity. Isn't there an orgy scene? 
I believe there is with Xerxes camp. There weren't as many naked ladies as there could have been, and I kind of like that restraint. Actually, that's true. That's why it didn't come off like an orgy scene to me. You know, everyone's still clothed while stuff is happening. But only mildly clothed. I mean, one little breeze or one strap fails, and you're going to see the whole enchilada. (laughs) These movies that we're talking about, they have a lot of testosterone. And I would say testosterone can manifest in different ways, in different archetypes. I'm curious, what archetype, what manly man stereotype, testosterone-filled dude do you think Leonidas is? Oh, straight off the back, dude. You take me to the classic scene. The messenger shows up. We angers the jocks. Jocks being the Spartans. Leonidas is like, you know what? Let's go for a walk. Let's take our talk. And that's where the classic quote, man. This is Sparta. And it kicks a big boot. That's the best, man. Into a cavernous hole that makes you wonder, how long did it take for them to build that hole? It's like 200 feet deep. And I'm wondering, like, where does it go, dude? Why is it just sitting outside the town? That is a classic moment from the movie that everybody remembers. I think this might be only the second time I've ever seen the movie. First time being at a theater. This time, it doesn't play as badass, because I know it's coming. This time I'm paying more attention to the setup. And I'm realizing that messenger is a dumbass (laughs) for standing right in front of a gigantic hole. Dude, the best part, like, he lined himself up with the hole. Like, you witnessed that? (laughs) And I don't think they show the hole at all until the moment Leonidas kicks him. So it kind of comes out of nowhere like a cartoon. (laughs) Badass moment, but so silly. Oh, but at least the other thing, since I was, like, rewatching the movie as well, because I've seen it before. And I haven't come back to it, well, I came back to it in years. What with this watch, I was like, the music actually is nice with this movie, you know? It actually builds up the scenes, kind of pulls you in a little bit. It's not overbearing, but it's just enough, you know? It's like in the background. It just zones you in. It assists like it's supposed to. It's functional, but there are a few kind of heavy metal moments that are pretty jarring with the ancient depiction. The fight scenes? Yeah, I think it's in the fight scenes where this raucous music starts playing. And then toward the end, they do that gladiator soundtrack, the vocalizing. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't really mix. <laughs> those scenes, yes, yes. I'll give it to you. Those scenes, it's off. And what's up? It's like a sting song, just like in uh, Gladiator toward the end. They're walking through fields of grain and, oh, the afterlife. That's their thing. I can't speak on that one. Going back to the archetypes, you mentioned you thought of him as a bit of a jock. Yeah. I thought of him more as a hard-as-nails disciplinarian type of father figure who, when you sass him, he makes you do (laughs) push-ups. He has a rope in your backyard that he makes you climb every morning. (laughs) He's the more of a drill sergeant. (laughs) Absolutely. He wasn't a drill sergeant, man. He was too nice. Especially, like, when we first see, I guess his name is Ephelides, the hunchback. Yeah, the handicapped fellow that normally would not be allowed to live in Spartan society. Yeah, he was too nice to him, dude. A dress I wouldn't be that nice to anybody. After everything we've seen of this guy, 
I think he would spit on that hunchback and say, get the hell out of here. Yeah, or at least kill him or something. He'd be tougher. He lets him down easy. I know you want to fight, buddy, but you got a hunchback and you can't lift a shield. Can't protect the man to your left and right. Practically patted him on the gigantic shoulder. <laughs> there, there. Gigantic deformed shoulder, yes. What criticisms might you levy at this movie? Closer to the end of the movie, our dude Dilios lost his eye. The guy narrating the whole freaking movie. Our King Leonidas asks him, I hope that scratch hasn't made you useless. And I'm quoting this. He says, it's only an eye. The gods saw fit to bless me with a spare. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you were badass for saying that? Be realistic, dude. Like, you can't fight anymore, man. You lost the eye. You need a couple of days, a couple of weeks, maybe, just to get your, you know, your balance back. Come on, let's be real. Well, I guess it was convenient then that he was also a very good storyteller. So he got sent away from the front line and he survived. Yeah, but he comes back. Now, you know me, Stacy. I'm not one to look for racism and everything. <laughs> this would have been my junior year of high school when I saw this movie. I'm pretty sure I saw it with a group of friends, 2006. Back then, you know, I'm just a snot-nosed kid. I'm just having fun. Oh, look at all the violence. Look at all these cool shots and rippling muscles. I gotta say, this watch, though, it came off as pretty frickin' racist. I'm not gonna lie, it did, but I checked that to the side, man. You know, I had to throw that out. It points it got rough. I totally think that's a valid response. I feel like we don't really have a problem unless two things are at play. One, it's the intention of the filmmakers to be racist. And two, the audience interprets it as being racist. You only have one half of that, you can overlook it. But this watch, man... So it's the Greeks against the Persians, and the way the enemy army is portrayed, literally as inhuman figures, you've got the immortals, this elite guard of Asian warriors. Who never die. One of them takes off his glove, and it's like a freaking goblin hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then you've got these heavies on the Persian side, that are so over-the-top monstrous, they look like Mortal Kombat bosses. Yes! Oh. I was expecting Goro at any second. <laughs> and it doesn't help that all the main characters that we're supposed to love, I think almost all of them are played by Brits. Yeah. One could see this movie about Spartans, who historically were all about being genetically pure. Oh my god! Very ethnocentric. Kind of funny that they then would go up against just this plethora of dark-skinned people. <laughs> and what's up with Cersei's, the emperor? He's supposed to be Middle Eastern, but if you listen to his accent, because the actor is Latin American, he sounds like Javier Bardem. Yeah. What are you supposed to be, man? Except for a brown face? With all these frickin' piercings everywhere and gold paint. There's like a homoerotic subtext beyond the normal homoeroticism in this movie. He's like trying to convince Leonidas to give up and he's giving him a shoulder massage. <laughs> but I don't get that. Like, 
at the end of the movie, he made Xerxes bleed, but he had all those piercing and stuff, so people know he's not a god, technically, so it's like, it got confusing to me. Xerxes is this crazy guy. He looks weird. He's black. <laughs> that dude is totally a metrosexual. He cares about his looks hardcore. <laughs> he's got the eyeliner. You know, he's like seven feet tall. <laughs> if he just gets scratched, I'm sure he's going to throw a tizzy. <laughs> A big animal theme in this movie, you can't help but notice it's not like he was sequestered to the corner of the screen. There was like a frickin' goat man playing music at one point. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a goat man in this movie, and that's where you gotta say it's Jump the Shark as far as having any realm of believability. It's like, what What are they doing? Why is there a goat man? Was he at the, uh, the orgy? I think it was the orgy scene, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm really goat man. Is the implication that those dirty Middle Eastern baddies are having sexual relations with farm animals? <laughs> Otherwise, how do you end up with a goat man? I don't know how he was born, honestly, but it's, it's a goat man. Like. <laughs> Let us move on to Conan the Barbarian. From 1982, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and directed by John Milius. It's really a revenge film taking place in this ancient time that may or may not be part of our history, but there's sword sandals, witches, magic. And we follow Conan from being a little boy. His family gets killed by this group of marauders, one of them being James Earl Jones as Thulsa Doom. He didn't do too many villainous roles, but the couple he has are very effective. This, Darth Vader, and Darth Vader, he was just a frickin' voice. Oh, what? He did Darth Vader's Oh, I didn't know that. Shut up. No, I did not know that. That's awesome. Uh, I gotta pull your nerd credentials. Conan's family gets killed, his entire village gets raised, he gets sent into slavery, and then we see him turn into muscly Conan, and it's him looking to get revenge on Thulsa Doom and avenge his people. The spine of the movie is very simple. Have you ever seen this movie before? Honestly, never. And since it was, like, so much older than what I'm used to watching, I had doubts, man. I had doubts. I really did. When do you start to think of movies being old for your tastes? Actually, like, before I was born. Because this is what, 1982, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was born in 89, you know? This is before I was born, dude. You freaking egocentric millennial. <laughs> no, no, it's true, though. Nothing existed before I was born. Everything before my time's garbage. No, I say that because, like, at work, I'm minded every day. People start working for the post office before I was born. They've got like you know, 30 plus years in. So it's like, okay. To get like a good time frame for me, anything before I was born is old, man. I got to respect it. What were some things that you immediately took from it? Movies were rough back then, dude. Music was overpowering. And then some of the scenes, today's standards are so high that they just seem super cheesy. Maybe not as choreographed. Very little slow motion in this movie. Couldn't afford to do it. Didn't exist. <laughs> oh, sure it did. There's a little bit of slow motion, but not much. Well, I've seen this definitely a few times. I put it in my top 50, maybe my top 20. 
But the opening credits where the sword's being forged, I think it's because I'm watching it in 2022 that I couldn't help but think of Forged in Fire. <laughs> I expected somebody to ask off screen, so what material did you use to wrap the hilt? <laughs> and to have Conan's dad who's forging it, he goes, damn it, the blade picked up some warp. I don't know if I have enough time to start a new one. <laughs> but see, that's where that's what the movie started getting me, though. If it wasn't for those opening credits, I probably would have said, you know what, I'm going to give this 10 minutes. But the fact that they said Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the movie, I was like, oh, man, you got me. I'm watching. Did you have any favorite scenes or performances in this? I had a couple. Some of the best ones. When his little kid, you know, he's put on the wheel, started walking. Dude, that was a crazy montage. I thought that man walked 20 fucking years straight. No food, no drinks, no nothing. Just walked. Everybody around him died. He just kept walking. By the end of it, it's like they're shutting down the grain mill because, well, he's the last one. <laughs> Got nowhere people. Like, this man can raise himself, but no one's going to protect him, you know? It really sets up his harsh childhood. And if you had to push the spoke on a wheel like that for years on end, you're getting in your leg day. That's what I'm wondering. How do you get, like, so buff up top with just walking? He should have been the opposite. He should have been the master of kicks, dude. I think that's some good functional strength, and that's putting pressure on your upper body for sure. I guess when everybody died, he finally evened out, you know? Am I crazy? But I feel like, I don't know if maybe they just lit him differently toward the beginning. I want to say he got a little fuller as the movie went on. Yeah, I noticed that too. He definitely did. Like, he got scarier as he progressed. I think Sandal Bergman, who plays his love interest, Valeria, this blonde... Amazonian warrior. For the 20 minutes of screen time that she has, she's a pretty fully fleshed out character. We get to see a bunch of sides to her, and it's one of the few love scenes, her and Conan, where I thought it added to the movie. They get all passionate, but then at the end, she's practically holding him to her bosom, and you see that there's a deeper thing going on beyond just the physical. One of the few tender moments we get with Conan. But dude, it was crazy. Back in the day, all you had to do was give a woman a gem, a fat gem. She's yours. <laughs> I would argue there are a lot of women now that you could give a fat gem and she's yours. Yeah, but she didn't care about anything else. She just wanted that one gem, dude. Like, that's all she rocked. It could have been kings, queens, whatever they want. She just wanted that one jewel and to stay by her side. Wasn't it a great ride-or-die component? Not only did I want to have his muscles, but I wanted to have his lady. Oh, but like that, that's true. I did want her towards the end. I was like, you know what, man? I'd keep her. <laughs> <laughs> She's the keeper. There's a moment where he's going off to do his own thing. It's like, I got to go kill Thulsa Doom, but you don't have to help me. I'm giving you an out. And she and Subatai, they show back up again and help him out. It's great camaraderie. Before they help him out, once again, Conan is just unkillable. He's crucified. He's on the tree of woe, sitting there. He's been there for what seems like weeks. Still alive somehow. And the vultures are picking at his flesh. But what does this man do? What does he do? He eats the vulture that's eating him. <laughs> like, <laughs> he can't get off that tree to go get KFC, so he just chomps on that vulture, man. That's like the most testosterone-filled moment of the movie. It is. I think the only way that scene could have been more epic is by the time he gets rescued, there's just a pool of dead birds at his feet. 
So what testosterone-filled archetype do you think Conan is? It's hard to judge Conan, man, because his childhood was so just messed up. And the fact that this guy was a slave, but was treated as a king, it's mind-boggling. I don't know what to do. I see him as that drifter bad boy all the pretty girls are enamored of. He flouts authority, and he's probably that guy that asks you to be the lookout while he steals something. (laughs) You get caught, and then he balls your girlfriend before riding off on his motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a good one. I cannot dispute that. And this man, yeah, he punches a camel, dude. Like, who knocks out a camel with one punch? A badass. (laughs) (laughs) Since this movie takes place before your birth and is therefore already garbage. No, I say garbage. What criticisms would you say this movie needs to answer for? I want to call it the story, but not the story. Just like, I guess, the flow of the story. Because it was going good. I got the revenge story at the beginning. He gets free, okay? He gets free. And then he meets a crazy witch lady who wants to get dicked down. And then the story just go south for me like i lose interest for like a good 20 minutes just wondering what's going on it didn't satisfy your bloodlust is that it for 20 minutes i say yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true and stuff like the witch scene seem a bit unnecessary i think they could have cut out some of that material and we wouldn't have missed it a little taken aback at how cold conan seems when his lady love kicks the bucket shed a tear or something it's like they didn't really ask schwarzenegger to do much acting in that moment i like that though dude i felt that i think that was needed comes to his homie at the end who like who's just bawling his eyes out he's a big baby and you got the shaman to ask him why are you crying because my guy is a certain type of man cannot cry i cry for him that's the bro right there that plays into the bro man we don't know how important she is until the sequel where Conan's participation in the plot is all because he wants to find a way to resurrect his lady love. Oh. By that point, you're like, oh, he really does love this woman. But in this movie, it's more like just girlfriend he really liked. <laughs> just a fling. But he, no, I, I, he gave her a ring, though, man. He gave her the biggest ring in the land. Any uh, final thoughts about Conan, the barbarian? I'd say overall it's a good watch. It's it's actually really a good watch, man. Even for being dated. Something I noticed on this watch that struck me as an interesting layer. Check this out. I think the whole movie is like an allegory. It has an anti-hippie message to it. Oh, damn. Why you gotta put it like that? (laughs) Think of Tulsa Doom as some hippy-dippy rock star act... And his flock are just a bunch of deadheads following the band around from show to show. You got the uh, King Osric character, Max von Sydow. He asked Conan to retrieve his daughter, who has been mesmerized by Thulsa Doom. (laughs) She's just a groupie following this dude around. And when Conan infiltrates their camp... And sees all these hippy-dippy cultists. Think about it. They got long hair, beards. They're carrying flowers everywhere. They're banging tambourines. <laughs> Damn, dude. Why you gotta put like this so true? <laughs> like... uh, one of them says to Conan that he should throw down his sword and return to the earth. 
man. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think about it, like uh, coming from what? Because people that were born in what, the 50s and 60s, they're probably old enough at this point to make movies like that. <laughs> and I know the director, if not conservative, can at the very least be thought of as a libertarian, really into gun culture and standing your ground. So when Conan goes to the show, basically, they're all blissed out. A few of them are inhaling the smoke of a fire. (laughs) (laughs) The cultists are passing out robes like it's band merch. (laughs) (laughs) You're a priest now. You're a priest. You get the upgrade. And there's even security guards checking tickets on the way into the show. (laughs) (laughs) And Conan had a fake ticket. It's just him taking apart a hippie Woodstock, basically. <laughs> I like that aspect of it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I didn't even hit me. I guess it was my first watch that didn't click, really. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the score by Basil Polidorus. You say it was heavy-handed. Sure, it was. But it also communicated the opera that is Conan's life. And it just pumps you up. I think I could listen to that. Well, actually, I know I've listened to that on a treadmill, just running it out like, yeah, this is my wheel of pain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is my favorite part of the show, which is too long, didn't listen, TLDL. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to give me very short, concise answers. Let's get into it. Which movie do you think a woman would enjoy more? Uh, Sally 300. Who'd win in a fight, Leonidas or Conan? Mm. I'm trying to play it out of my head right now, you know? Shield and spear. I think we would have to say Leonidas just because he's trained for military stuff, right? Conan is so barbaric, man. He just gives no fucks. He wants you dead. You're going to die. There's no stopping it. And the fact that he's never lost a fight ever just puts a little fear in you. What's a better movie to watch in a group setting? I'm leaning towards Conan. This is getting tougher now. I want you to rank these Arnold Schwarzenegger characters from least to most badass. The Terminator, Conan, Dutch from Predator, and Quaid from Total Recall. Dutch. Total Recall. Ah, damn. This is where it gets troublesome, like Conan versus Terminator. Terminator only wins because Terminator's a machine, man. Yeah, that's true. When you're fighting machine, he literally is never going to flinch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a couple scale questions for you. How misogynistic are these movies <laughs> from 0 to 10? <laughs> 5 being a Gen Wire. And 10 being your bachelor uncle who swears broads are too much trouble. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's start with uh, 300. Uh, How misogynistic is this movie? 300 to 20. It is straight at 20. And uh, how about Conan? Conan's more reserved. I'll take that down to the 10. <laughs> <laughs> Final question. 0 to 10. Five being a bromance, and ten being gay porn. How gay are these movies? 
Let's be real. Let's get real for a second. Oh, God. Oh, oh man. These Where'd you come with these questions? Where do you get these questions from? <laughs> I don't know. They just spring up from deep within me. <laughs> Let's not psychoanalyze it too much. <laughs> Let's start with 300. How gay is 300? Oh, man. <sighs> Think about it. We're back in college. It's a San Francisco dorm. And they're like, hey, let's have gay night. <laughs> How gay is 300? God, <laughs> you're wording it just like. <laughs> and this time, I'm going to force you to stick to 0 to 10. If you wanted to make a joke, you would say, well, 300. <laughs> Remember, 10 is gay porn. So I don't think either of these movies reaches those heights, but they get pretty far. 300 hits a solid 5. Because you got the scene where the two guys are fighting together. The bros, but it gets questionable bros, you know? Well, five is a bromance. You got to be at least a six on the scale. Come on. The seven. How about Conan? Damn, Conan hits a zero, dude. What? It hits a zero, man. Wow. It's because Conan's just fucking bitches left and right, nonstop. That's true. They get a better balance. Yeah. And... As far as how many oiled up muscle dudes we see on screen, doesn't even hold a candle to 300. <laughs> Conan is the aperitif. If you're bi, you're not quite all the way gay, <laughs> and you want something to watch, you watch Conan. Oh, but then if you're like, you know, I'm done with this, I think I am just straight up gay, then you watch 300 and you have a gay old time. <laughs> but it doesn't go that far. Get close. Well, any final, final thoughts? You want to see people die. That's all you want to see. 300 is the way to go. You want to get a good story, solid action. Characters are hit or miss. You can go Conan. But they're both really good movies. 300 is like a bag of greasy potato chips. <laughs> and Conan is a protein shake. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe I just came up with that on the fly? No, I feel like that was planned. <laughs>